We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash hack it out. Just go to Indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right. Welcome back to season two. With Lou Stagner and Mark Crossman, we've got a special guest today, Ryan French, which we'll set up in a second. But Lou, season two, just me and you, here we go. I'm excited. We we are definitely going to miss Scott, but uh, I'm excited yeah, to continue absolutely. forward with uh, with the one and only Mark Crossfield. Absolutely. Now I'm looking forward to it too. I think it's going to be fun. We've got some great guests lined up. And to start season two, we've got a gentleman called Ryan French that you might know from Twitter, who I kind of know him as the Monday Qualifying School Info Guy. So it should be an interesting podcast with some amazing stories about a subject that, to be honest, Lou, you probably did know about this, but I didn't really know much about qualifying. So we'll bring Ryan in. It should be a fun episode. Guys, thanks for having me on. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Thanks for coming. How are you? I'm good, man. Very good. Thank you. It is great to have you here. The superstar himself in the flesh. It's nice, <laughs> nice to be here. The guy that essentially created a new market, right? Um, nobody, nobody cared about Monday Qs in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and then along comes this guy uh, who's story is amazing so we're going to get into all that and now it's it's a it's a thing it's actually a really big thing that people pay attention to so it's it's awesome to have you here we're really looking forward to this chat couldn't think of a better person to start season two it's been a wild ride guys i mean we'll talk about it but the fact yeah absolutely if people even want me on their podcast is crazy so (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. so let's start it off with tell us uh, about yourself and your story um for the listeners who don't know who you are who are you where are you based what do you do is this your job and what is monday qualifying tell us what was yeah. it all about yeah i mean it's been a wild ride mark uh so i played college golf and then um it wasn't good enough to play at a four-year school played at a, at a junior college and then tried to walk on into four-year school and that was kind of my wake up moment of how many talented players were out there. Um, after college, my dad and I, this is very weird. I know, uh, used to take <laughs> a trip a year and caddy on a mini tour. Uh, and so that was like, I mean, this is many years ago, this is 20, you know, 20 years ago. Um, and that's what we did for our guys trip. We, we tried it one time. We loved it. And, uh, we just did it for about 10 years and, uh, we went Canada a lot, down to Florida, Carolina, and mini tours back in those days were much bigger. And the Hooters tour, e-golf tour, Canadian tour, pre 
PGA tour affiliation. We're all very big tours. They had 150 guys and check, you know, winning checks of 33,000 and those things are kind of a, a thing of the past in the mini tour world. But back then they were huge and it was easy to find a bag. People would fight over you. So we didn't have really? any plans. We would drive, drive wow. to an event and, um, say, Hey, we're going to caddy. And, you know, players would give us a call and that was it. And so, I mean, that was our introduction. And I would say two things, Mark and Lewis, like one, how talented players that aren't on the PGA tour really are. And two, that the lifestyle is not what anyone of the common golf fan, casual golf fan realizes, you know, Um, I'll tell a quick story that like kind of was my wake up moment. We always camp. That was my dad and I's uh, tradition. And we're camping in the morning of the tournament. I go to brush my teeth at a public, you know, a, the public bathroom. And there's a player yeah. next to me. And it just like blew my mind. Like, you know, why isn't he staying at a nice hotel? This guy's a pro golfer. Yeah. And uh, got to talking to him. And he's like, yeah, this is how I make a living. You know, I drive everywhere with my camper dragged behind me. And, you know, it's 30 bucks a night to stay instead of, you know, 70 or 80 or 100 at a hotel. And that's how he was. So fast forward many years. Um, I was in the restaurant business my life, my entire life, running a group of restaurants, and uh, my son had brain surgery. So my son had brain surgery uh, a three, a little over three years ago now, and uh, I took a couple months off. The plan was to take a couple months off, and uh, so took a couple months off. My son is much better and doing well, and I started this account just to really kind of have an adult outlet it was very selfish it was never any thought of it being anything it was more of like hey a few friends would do it watch it yep. and and i've never gone back to work so, <laughs> so, so tell us the handle of the account because uh, it's got yeah. something like seventy thousand followers now isn't it it's a it's a big account and it's going fast what's the handle of the twitter account you're talking yeah, about it's it's literally the worst handle in all of golf uh, it is. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> for sure that's yeah. it's great insight into how little I thought of this. So yeah, it's yeah. a case of the golf one. And the idea guys was a case of the Mondays. So I tried a case of the Mondays knew nothing about Twitter. It's too long. So they didn't accept yeah. that. I tried a case of the golf and for some reason, someone had it really. And wow. So I Twitter suggested a case of the golf one. And again, I was like, I don't, yeah. I mean, it took me yeah. 15 seconds to set this up. I had zero thought. So they suggested it and I clicked on it. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. No one will care. And uh, <laughs> so, now, I mean, now it's like, I can't change. Now it's too late. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a great story. Uh, so when you, when you started off, like what were I, you've put out so much content on Twitter that I have not, I stumbled into you when you, I don't know, you probably had 20,000 ish followers, maybe 15 when I stumbled into you. Um, what were you doing when you first got on Twitter? Like, what would you put out there? Yeah. Yeah. The, like the first idea of the account was like, so for you guys that don't know, for people listening that don't know Mark. So a PGA section runs Mondays and a different section runs every Monday. So the scores are always on a different website every Monday. So they were just hard to find. So yeah. Yeah. It's not like, let's just, sorry to interrupt. Let's just wild it back though. So so the Monday qualifying is just for people who don't know are for people trying to get into a PGA tour event of that week, aren't they? That's what they are, aren't they? Exactly. And so I'll give a quick synopsis of a PGA tour Monday. So there's a pre-qualifier. Anybody with a handicap of two and below is welcome. Really? Two or below? Yep. (laughs) 
ching, 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 yeah, ching. Exactly. Yeah. The PJ uh, section and the PJ tour just will happily take your money. Uh, yeah. It's $200 to enter a pre-qualifier. If you get through your reward is to pay another 200 and now $300 more uh, <laughs> to get into the Monday qualifier. And then you have to find a place to stay and practice for four days because you're stuck in the town. Wow. So, uh, oh, well, so there's a qualifier to get into the qualifier to get into the event. Right. Okay. Yes. On the PGA tour. So really what the yeah. tour wants to do is limit the people that are in the PGA, the Monday qualifier, you know, the yes. big picture is they don't really care about Monday qualifiers. They don't want people like me, you, Joe Schmo playing yeah. in them. Uh, so they try to limit it to their members and they try to eliminate people as much as, as possible. So they make it very difficult for the regular Joe to be in a Monday qualifier, but a regular yeah. Joe gets through every once in a while. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, the Monday qualifier is full of corn ferry members, PGA tour members that are not in that field. And then the people who got through the pre-qualifier, it's $500 to enter if you're not a member and the top four scores get in. And so it's run by the PGA section in that area. So yeah, like for instance, the Shriners that Mark Baldwin and I were just at, it's run by the Southwest PGA section. Um, and so the idea of the account to start was just have a place where people could come and find the links to the scoring because it's run by so many different things. So that yeah, was the yeah. original idea, Lou. And then it turned into like, I told some stories about like caddying trips. And then I started telling stories about some of the guys that got through, you know, like, Hey, that guy's been out there for 10 years, never been to the PGA tour. And I really just really that. there's some guys that long out there, is there? They've been doing oh, yeah, qualifiers for, sure. for ten years. Yeah, yeah, more. I mean, David Skins from England just got onto the PGA Tour for the first time. He turned pro seventeen years ago. Wow, <laughs> that's amazing. So I, I have a, a personal question here. I just missed the the, the cutoff there for the two index or better. Do yeah. they have a Do they have a net? division side and i can i play net to get into one of these things they don't <laughs> they should they don't yeah they should but but between you and i lou they they really are not very strict about checking handicaps and stuff oh, like that yeah. as long as you're check clear so yeah feel free to enter a feel free uh, yeah I'll, I'll put a nice 83 a smooth 83 on the board yeah, yeah. And, right. and, uh, i mean how how openly can we speak about that process maybe i should have asked yeah. this question before we started the podcast you can, but... I, listen i have no affiliate <laughs> me and the tour uh, don't see eye to eye so feel free to ask any question you want <laughs> i mean so at the end of the day it's like it's a money-making scheme 100%. it's just a way to get more revenue in because i i know and i don't know if i should say this actually but there is a certain qualifying school that happens for the european tour that arguably doesn't need to happen anymore because there's enough sub tours for it to feed the main tour but the reason it happens is it Jai did the revenue on it. Don't quote me on this number, but I'm probably, I'm pretty sure I got up into the hundreds of thousands of profit when you took in the amount of people who were going to pre-qualifying to get to qualifying to get to qualifying for the school. Um, and I just thought, well, if that is costing X, I just guesstimated the costs. Like, why would you not do that? If people are, and I don't know what the right word to use here, because I don't want to offend any of the people who dream it is. But if people are that silly to not realize that they're maybe not PGA Tour worthy, and arguably, I mean, I know PGA pros like myself, golf teaching coaches, who will go to 
open qualifying because it's yeah. just like they want to. And I just think like it's 200 quid or whatever it is, 150 quid. And I just think there isn't a hope in hell of you getting through any of the stages. I've right. seen you play. Like if you think you can get through those stages, you blatantly have no self perception of yourself in the realms of golf. Yes. Um, so it's arguably, it sounds like it's a bit of a money making 100 yeah. percent yes because yeah. so, i presume that, the, the sections of the pga must take a cut as well so it's got to be really good yeah. they're not doing i mean everybody everybody golf, makes money yeah i mean everybody makes money except for the players all they do is yeah. lose money even so, if you yeah. get through you lose money it's like the worst fruit machine on the planet and it do you know yeah. what a fruit machine is guy it's the same in america yeah 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 i mean i always say like mark and lewis like once you make it through that's when real costs come into play because if you uh-huh. don't make the cut uh get out not, of there quick yeah, you don't make the cut and you've paid a PGA Tour caddy, you've paid for a hotel for a week. I mean, you're out literally. This yeah. is not figuratively. Literally, you're out four or $5,000. You know, yeah, yeah. a PGA Tour caddy costs $1,500 for you to tee it up with him. Uh, you've already spent $1,000 plus 500 to get into the Monday qualifier. You're down three grand. You got a hotel. Okay. On the PGA Tour, you get a car, but you got food. You got, ex- you know, yeah, all the yeah. extra it, stuff it, that pays your off. Then you miss the cut and, you know, people think, oh, they get sponsors. There's no, no, no sponsors. No, like, I know. I, yeah. So no, absolutely. it's just so fascinating that um, that's even a, it's even a thing. Like I'm curious around the history of when it started, how far back it started, why it started. Was it really just motivated around money and, and to try to bring some cash in? Because I just think of, you know, imagine there being, you know, open tryouts every Monday for, you know, the NFL. Um, you know, guys can just show up on Monday morning and say, you know what, I'm going to run a few forties. I'm going to, you know, jump, uh, and and test out my jump and I'm going to do a few other combine things. And and I'm starting up next Sunday. It's crazy that anybody can show up and try to get on the biggest stage in the world for golf. I mean, from a selfish standpoint, guys, and why I love it is because of that. Right. It's like, yeah, there is, I mean, I say it, my, my quote in the article I just wrote for golf digest, like there's no free throw contest on Monday morning to play for the Lakers for a week. Right. Like go the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> like I use this guy named Ted Belkin all the time. Todd was from Australia, PGA, uh, you know, teaching pro in Texas, like didn't have the talent to probably ever play on the PGA tour, like shot the round of his life in a Monday qualifier shot 66 or 67 and played in the Byron Nelson. And Cinderella like story stuff, isn't it? Yeah, he he missed the. I mean, the guy used to be a Pizza Hut manager, and like, I mean, he's a regular Joe. I mean, he's just wow. like a guy off the street, and I, like, I, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it. he missed Those the cut by amazing. nine, but it doesn't matter. Like his messages to me, you know, this was like two and a half years ago. Was like, man, I got to tee it up. He's from Australia, but he lives in the United States. It's like I got to tee it up with John Sendon and Rafael Cabarro Bayo. He's like, I'll yeah. never forget that as long as I live for the rest of my life. And it's just a really cool part of Mondays. Yeah. And I, uh, so you, you recently put an article out in golf digest. And for those um, that don't know, you also write for fire pit collective, right? So they, they scooped you up the guys over there and you've been there for a while. And, and um, I 
I read a good chunk of this stuff you put out, but you've put out some phenomenal articles. You're a great writer. Uh, and some of the stories you've told uh, are you know, pretty amazing, including some of your own stories. Um, and so if people want to find you and read your stuff, you're not just tweeting Monday Q leaderboards out. They can go find you at Fire Pit Collective as well as Golf Digest. And I'm sure we're going to see you on network TV soon as well. You're everywhere, Ryan. I, don't, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm so appreciative of it, guys. Yeah. I mean, to say the things you just said, every time I hear it, it's, it's like mind blowing. It really was never meant. I mean, I never in a million years thought it would be this. So when people say things like that and like, <laughs> I mean, I look, the golf digest article sits behind me and it's just like, it's, it's crazy. So yeah. Thank you very much. It's been a wild ride. So when you yeah. look back, um, when you think right now, sitting here right now today, when you look back on this journey that you've been on, what makes you smile the most? Like what, what, what is the, that brings the biggest smile to your face? Yeah. I mean, I think on, on a, on a much bigger picture is that I'm, I'm very proud and happy that these guys are getting exposure that they deserve. Cause this is to me, this is pro golf, right? I mean, at the end of the day, there's only, okay. You take a hundred from the, the European tour and a hundred from the, PGA tour and then mix in a few from the Asian tour that are making like a good living from playing golf, right? Maybe 300 at the end of the day, making a good living across the entire world. And there's thousands of pro golfers. So 90% of pro golfers live in the world that I talk about. I mean, that's just, that's the honest truth, but the casual golf fan sees over and over and over again, guys in private jets and, lots of sponsors and all those kind of things. And it's just not what pro golf is to me. So what makes me smile proudest the most is that these stories are being told more and that it is like, it's what pro golf is like for the, a majority of the golfers. And I mean, the fact of the matter is of that 90%, 98% of them are never going to make it, ever. Yeah. And yeah. It grounds the story, doesn't it? It certainly grounds it a bit more in a relatable way to uh, the, the bigger audience. Who listening to this podcast, who's sitting at a desk, uh, a job that they particularly don't want to do, who wasn't a 14-year-old who wanted to be X, Y, or Z? You know, play for Liverpool football, play for the Lakers, whatever mm -hmm. it is, be a PGA tour player. Uh, and this is basically grown-ups still having those dreams. And it makes, I think it makes the story so much more rounded than like what you're saying there, the private jets, the elite, the top few that we see just, you know, they're, they're a given that we, we that we know who those top players are and it's not to take anything away from them. Their stories are equally as, you know, there'll be ones who've worked immensely hard to get where they are. Well, every one of them, but um, often lots of them from a very early age are getting picked up to be that good but it certainly puts it at a much more of a human story i think and it makes those players more relatable and that is one thing i think both tours do struggle to do the european tour i would speak for more than the pga tour because i think the pga tour is very good at selling its brand around the world it, it's clever and it's smart with that and it has a very good brand where the european tour possibly not as good at selling its brand and it could equally be as a good a, 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 a good as a good brand um, but this is definitely an untapped story. So can, what, what the relationship with the PJ tour, can we talk about that or do you yeah, not want to, I don't sure. want, I'm no, literally no, no. dropping you in there. So I used to not, not want to talk about it, but no, feel free. Yeah. 
so you've had they've spoken to you or they are are they like looking at trying to take this story back for themselves have you shown them the value in something that they were ignoring and now they're thinking hang on that's our value go away we want it back because i i can relate to that i understand my world where i started online people tried to get me to stop what i was doing in club reviews and stuff for years and fellow pros were very not impressed with what i was doing giving away free tips as they called it even though i said it promoted more lessons probably than any other marketing that they'd ever paid for and they weren't even paying for this um where nowadays online tuition and reviews is just like if you're a pro not doing it you're barely a pro it seems at the minute it's so commonplace so are they reeling it in a little bit have you shown them worth what what how's that relationship do you think yeah um i mean so as the account grew I mean, I started to invest my own. I mean, for two and a half years of this account, I didn't make a dime. I lost money, but it was like yeah. big enough that I was like, maybe this will we'll figure out how to make money. So, uh, I mean, I invested time and money to go to M- Monday qualifiers and, you know, tell more stories from on site. I caddied at a few, whatever. And the tour never said a word to me for three years. So I took videos, shot photos, did interviews, walked fairways, just like there was no told ever story. media. Yeah, just told a story. And I'm not from the media world, Mark and Lou. So I knew I didn't even know there was rules. So like <laughs> yeah. I just went and like told stories and whatever. So uh, the tour was very supportive of that. I worked for the tour and wrote Monday qualifying article. That was my first job as the, as the thing. And, uh, along that time, and obviously in hindsight, it was my own, I dug my own grave and they asked like, how do I do this? What does my preparation look like? You know, how do I divide the field? What do I look at in a field? All those kind of things. And in hindsight, obviously my own fault, but I told them everything. And that was multiple zoom calls. I, they, they started covering Mondays and I would show the cameraman where to go and who could possibly qualify and what his story was and all those kind of things. And then, um, yeah, I mean, they offered me a job that was less than ideal, a full-time job that wasn't enough for me to, I could have worked at seven 11 for more. And so I turned it down. Uh, and then I got hired by fire pit. And then the next day they told me I couldn't video at Monday qualifiers anymore. And, um, you know, that's it Uh, again. I I didn't know the rules and listen, like, do they, do they own the rights to it? 100%. I mean, it says it in the, it says it in the, in the media, whatever in the legal documentation, it'll say that that's their product. And because if you go to the PGA court, yeah, yeah, 100%. So there's no argument from a legal perspective that they own it. Yeah. The way they went about it, they let me build a platform and then have tried to take it from me. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that stinks. That's, that's a shame, isn't it? Yeah, that's that stinks, a but, thing. Yeah. But, but again, I, I see it all the time, guys, is my goal. I think that I've th- people know where to go to find these guys' stories. So hopefully that holds me over. And yeah. at the end of the day, I'm very proud that I've changed the way they cover their own sport and that these guys are getting exposures that they must, that they need on the biggest platform. I mean, PGA tour has whatever, 2 million followers or 3 million or whatever. It doesn't matter. A much, much bigger platform than me. And these guys deserve it. 
So definitely some anger in there and frustration in there, but also I'm proud. And like, you know, I mean, the phone call Jared Wolf had with his wife and Jared Wolf's a great guy. And his wife is amazing. Has like 200 retweets and, and, you know, 2000 likes from this week's Monday qualifier. And 98% of those people have no idea who Jared Wolf is before that phone call. So yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm proud of that. So I'm glad they're covering it, how they went about it. Yeah. It stinks. Yeah. And the, and the other, and that's a really good point. I mean, the other good thing that comes from these kind of ideas is that if you start giving these players exposure and the audience are interested, which they obviously are from the followings you've built up and the business you've brought up around it and the fact that the PGA tour have been the way they've been, they've obviously they're seeing value in it all that value will do will feed through to the players because the only reason any manufacturer in golf, basically the manufacturers are almost, I almost see the manufacturers in golf, like the families in the mafia. Right, so the man people don't quite understand how much their money is valued in golf at so many levels. Those big manufacturers, if that money filters through to Monday qualifiers and some of those guys who do get through they can make a living they do get into enough events because there'll be some we're joking about the ones who've been trying for 100 years and don't there'll be a good amount that do get on 10 or 15 percent and then earn some money won't there there's 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 going to be some 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 success success stories um that just gives them more chance of earning money from sponsorships and doing interviews and getting their personal brands out there. So you should be proud. It, it's And they should be grateful for you. The players should see your value for them, which is often when I've worked with players, that's something I, it sounds, it always sounds big headed, but I would say like, you know, I'm going to put you in front of an audience, which is bigger than what you get when you're fringe making cuts on the European tour. Cause European tour in this country barely gets watched. Um, so like, you know, play along join the game and it's only good for you your brand will see that you've done it and it'll give you more worth and the rest of it um, and you've done that so you should definitely be proud of that i think it's, yeah, it's, it's great for them. huge pat on the back for you um you created a new segment uh i mean it was there it existed but you've created interest and buzz around it um i was never interested in monday cues i really didn't know much about them until you and um and then i started to now, now I, you know, I follow your stuff and I'm super interested and I've connected with a few of the players you've written about and we've traded some messages and, you know, I've made some acquaintance, uh, acquaintances there. So it's, it's been, it's been awesome what you've done for the game. Um, and you are an awesome follow on Twitter. Um, you're doing some really cool stuff beyond Monday Q. Um, you know, there, I, I just put out and asked people for some questions, but, and I want to get to a couple of them because there's a couple of good ones in there, Yeah, go for it. but I want to ask you about, uh, you've taken your platform and you have started to do um, philanthropy work, which is amazing. Like, I mean, Twitter, people think Twitter is this horrible cesspool. And here comes this guy who creates this new segment and now he's giving back. Tell us like what, what you have going on there. I'd, I'd love to hear more. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it came, it came about very organically. I mean, this is kind of insight into like, at least initially, there's not a lot of thought after I got into fire pit, there's more like planning and stuff, but I used to wake up. I mean, even this is like, you know, six, seven months ago and like no plan of what to tweet about. I would sit down and like look through many tour scores and go, Oh, that guy's a good story. I'll tell that guy's story today or whatever. So there wasn't like, there wasn't a lot of planning. Uh, and one day a high school coach sent me a message and was like, Hey, I followed you for a long time. Um, our team, 
you know, is using range balls and has wood woods. Do you think you could help? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I put out a tweet and it just like blew up and companies reached out to me and like, it, it just like took on a life of its own. And, you know, we like, you got these guys new shirts and this is a school that had like a hundred percent free lunch. Um, there's a rural school in, you know, in uh, Ohio. And by the end of the day, they had like new clubs, new shoes, new balls. It was amazing that the, the reach has been amazing. So, and without a doubt, this is my favorite part of the account. It's it. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And it, it's nothing without followers. Like uh, at Christmas last year, we, hooked up 11 kids with brand new everything equipment shoes clubs bags balls clothes um and then a follower chris his name is chris gallagher uh is going to give me a hundred thousand dollars to start a foundation and all we're going to do is is take care of high school teams across the country and their needs and uh wow that's amazing that's yeah i mean it's it it is 100% not even close. I love to tell stories, love Monday qualifiers, but um, to go hand a check, uh, you know, there was a video the last high school we did, we raised $5,000 before the foundation, $5,000 for a school. And he took a video, he set up new bags and new clothes and new clubs out for everybody and had the team walk into the gym. And it's yeah, like, I saw that. I, yeah, that was great. Yeah, it's just like, I don't, I don't, I mean, it's, and, and I'm glad that I can do things like show things like that video because so that coach is from Indiana about an hour away. We met in a Traverse city or in a target parking lot. And I'm the only one who can be there and hand the guy a check for $5,000 and see his reaction. Right. Like there's that I, and to, I, I can share it via tweet, but at the end of the day, I'm very like, I get the personal interaction and the appreciation and the guy crying and all that kind of stuff. So, So to share videos like that is crazy. So, yeah, it's happened organically. My followers are amazing. And, um, you know, Chris Gallagher actually just sent me an email as we're sitting here is, is um, you know, he wants to leave a legacy of growing the game. And so, um, yeah, social media, Lou, I mean, I was reading through some comments, you post a thing and it's always some, you know, some person saying, oh, this can't be, or that can't be, or whatever. Uh, I use social media. I use the mute button exclusively. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I, I use it endlessly. Uh, uh, and um, it's a good button. Yeah, it is a good button because some guys yelling into an abyss makes me, gives me great joy. And um, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 see, you, I see like my tweet and they'll say like four comments underneath, but three of them are not there because I've yeah, muted I, them. Yeah. yeah. And I just like, it, it makes me smile. But uh, I use social media very selfishly for positive prior to this being my job. I, I wanted to use social media to escape the world. There's enough going on in the world that sucks. So I use social media like very selfishly. And so I want, there is good things that happen on social media. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you got some listeners' questions, Lou, from Twitter. I do. I have some really great ones. So uh, first, I'm going to start with a couple of guys that I know. Uh, so there's Brock, uh, golfing oh, yeah. Brock on Twitter. Yep. And he and he asks, I shot 69 once on my home track. Am I ready I for a Monday one. queue? And, but <laughs> before you answer that, 
There's a follow-up to that. His buddy, Jake, Jake Weaver, golfer, Jake 78 on yep. Twitter. He says, I beat Brock once and he shot 69 at his home track. Am I ready for a Monday? <laughs> so what do you say to both of these guys? <laughs> so Brock, Brock and Jake are both uh, longtime followers. I've yeah. met Brock and um, good dudes, obviously said in, in jokingly, but there is plenty of people who think that because they shoot 69 at their home course, they're ready for a Monday qualifier. Not yeah. even close, not even remotely close. Um, uh, the Shriners Monday is a great example. Um, Mark and I, Mark Baldwin, who's become a great friend, I went out and caddied for him. Uh, and uh, he shot a bogey-free 66, and we knew we didn't have a chance. I mean, it wasn't like we didn't walk yeah, off yeah. 18 like, maybe we can get into yeah. a playoff. We yeah. were like, we have no chance. Yeah, it's incredible. And so yeah. we made six birdies, zero bogeys, 12 pars, and we walked off like no chance. And we played with Justin Lauer, who shot seven under. He knew he didn't have a chance. And so if you can't shoot 63 relatively regularly, not, you know, every once in a while on your home track, don't even consider that you can have a chance at a Monday qualifier. The, yeah, yeah. the difference between a scratch golfer and the guys that are playing on Monday qualifiers, as Lou and you guys both know, is not a river. It's an ocean. It's, yeah. A, yeah. it's years and light years. These guys play a game that you are not familiar with. End oh, of yeah, story. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. All right. So that's, a, that's kind of what I thought you'd say. So, Brock, Jake, you have no chance. No chance. Um, yeah. Just keep Well, keep you playing. say that as long as they're checkbooks. Like, yeah, I mean, feel free. free. No, no, no. <laughs> they can play, Mark. They can yeah. definitely play. You can play. They, yeah. The PGA section will gladly, gladly finish their check. You can play in all of them if you like. Yeah. All right. So here, here's a, a, I, I'm sure you probably know uh, Golf Spy NPR. Um, yes. So yeah, he asked a really cool question here. If someone asked you, when should I stop chasing the dream? What would you say? Yeah. Oh, that's I a mean, good question. It is a really good question because, and I know I put out a lot of tweets that are like guys making it. I yeah. used, to, I, I looked up a stat about Joel Damon, you know, Joel Damon uh, it took him 11 years, I think to get to the PGA tour. And like the first year he finished 75th in Canada and then 44th, then 22nd, then first. I mean, he was on the Canadian tour for four years. Right. And yeah. back in those days, I assume no one was like, well, Joel Damon's going to be on the PGA tour one day. They were like, what's that guy doing out here? He's been out here for four <laughs> years. So I put a lot of stories up of guys who are out there for a long time and make it and like do hashtag never give up. But there's plenty of guys on mini tours that have no business being there. I mean, zero. And, yeah. um, and, and they're burning through either family money or somebody else's money, which is even worse. They found a sponsor and, and uh, do it. So my thing is you have to compete at every level that you play. If you're playing one-day mini tours, you should be able to compete. If you're playing two days or three days, you should be able to compete. Uh, Yes, it's a process to get to the PGA Tour, uh, but realize that it's 2% of the players out there that make it, if that, and uh, be realistic for sure. So yeah, um, I, I would tell someone, uh, if, you're, if you haven't competed and you haven't won many tour events and you're four, five years into your thing, it's not like it's going to be magic all of a sudden. Um, you know, there's plenty of guys who played college golf that were like just developed after they got into college, but it, it's a small percentage. So uh, 
the answer is if you're not competing at regularly and contending regularly in whatever level you're playing, uh, it, it might be time to give up. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's you've just got answer. to be beating people, isn't it? It's so yeah. basic. Any of the players exactly. I used to play with who got on tour, they got on tour. That's one people ask me. There, there was no magic. There was no, yeah. it, they got on tour. The players that I used to compete with as an amateur who got on tour, they went to qualifying and got on. Yep. They didn't go four times. They might have gone twice at the most. They went, they were competing at the level we were playing at, and then they took the next step, and then off they went. You've just got to be – if you're not beating people, like, you're not going to beat the guys on door. You'll, yeah. It's just, yeah. It's it's actually quite basic, I think, but it's just people do overdream the dream a little bit sometimes. Yeah, I mean, people hang on to, you know – like, I use Russell Knox as an example of – someone who doesn't play well at Q school and is obviously successful, didn't make it through Q school, missed by a million, but also during that time he was playing well on the Hooters tour and Monday qualifying, eventually the Monday qualifier paid off for him. So it's yeah. not like he just went to Q school and stunk and stunk the rest of the year. And then all of a sudden, like he has a resume that was like, yeah, he exactly. competed of on the winning, Hooters tour. Of competing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So at some point you have to have to be realistic that, uh, and again, I, as much as I say it, I hate to watch guys who have no business being out there spending other people's money. You know, the, the casual golf fan has no idea. So at their home club, they're by far the best player. And yeah. they've convinced someone to give them 20, 30, 40, $50,000 to go out there and play. And all they're doing is wasting their money and their money yeah, and their yeah. time. It's just, it's, it's unfair to everybody involved. Save that yeah. money for people who actually have a chance. Yeah, yeah and uh, uh, just another reminder to Brock and Jake that you have no chance. <laughs> I love you guys. All right, so I love some of the stuff that you put out. I remember a while back, I don't know if you remember this, but I became riveted by this. There was a player, it was, it was Monday, he had a rental car. The clubs got locked in the car with the, with yeah. the keys in the car. And Man. you were giving, you were like live tweeting updates. And I'm like, oh, please have to break the window. Please. I'm like rooting for the yes. window to have to be broken. So was I. And so you've seen some really fun stuff. Um, I know it's probably hard to answer this, but, you know, give us something that you just, you just, it's a story you love to tell about all the craziness that you've seen. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. So, yeah, his name's Alex Scott. He's actually from my wife's hometown. Uh, he was the first alternate at the uh, Latin American event. So I was, like, hanging out with him, trying to tell, like, the story of what a first alternate looks like. He goes to his car, has his keys in his bag, but it's a remote key, you know? So he, right. he closes the door in his trunk, and the remote key didn't work. It wasn't close enough. So he couldn't open the door. So the tea times had started. So obviously if somebody doesn't show up, he has to, he have has to his, be ready. Know, he's, he has to be ready. So I started tweeting it. I mean, Lou, I was obviously, so a, a follower was like, I'll pay for the window. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. So I was like rooting so hard that someone yeah. didn't show up because how great of a video would that been? We're smashing. We had picked out a rock. We had picked out a rock. Really? <laughs> yeah. We were ready to go. He got in. So, eventually he called the uh company the the funny part is he calls hertz or whoever he had and they're like oh good news we can unlock it from here and he's like oh my god thank god and they did it and it didn't work and oh. so and then they're like they they sent out a a guy who was like before supposed to be there in a half an hour it took two hours eventually he didn't get in anyway but it was a great story one of my favorite stories ever waste management monday qualifier joe hung kim 
had come over from Korea. For those that don't know, Joe Hung is like 130th in the world. All of his wins, he's 18 years old. He comes to the United States. I think it was his first Monday qualifier. Playing this par four over water, he had hit his ball on a bridge. So he was waiting for a rules official to see if he got relief from the bridge. So he sits down on the bridge. In the meantime, a woman, then this is like clear Monday Q stuff, <laughs> is walking her two dogs on the golf course, just like <laughs> just like oblivious that people's lives are trying to change. And she and I, I'm with my friend Neil Johnson, who plays professionally. We're watching the Monday qualifier. And I said, Neil, you gotta start recording, you gotta start recording. So the lady just walks across the bridge and like, and she says to him, I'm so sorry. I know this is important. She had this hor- like very stereotypical Canadian accent. I, I mean, she obviously sunburnt, you know, like was living in Phoenix during the winter. She's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he said, she'll, he'll take that ball and put it in the hole for you though. And I just like the whole thing was like, I mean, it, it just, I could not get over the fact that, this poor guy had just come over to the United States. I think it was his first event in the United States. He's sitting in Phoenix, Arizona at a Monday qualifier, sitting on a bridge, and a woman is walking her dogs down it and just oblivious to the fact of what's going on. It like it's so we have the video. Neil made it into a remix. Like it's it's the greatest video I've ever done. It makes me laugh so hard. I've seen it at least a thousand times and I still laugh. But it's like a typical Monday call. And the woman walked the, down the middle of the fairway. The other guys behind her had to wait. She just, like, doesn't care. No one cares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it was great insight into the Monday Q life. And Yeah, it kind of sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah. And, I mean, like McCormick Ranch, where that incident happened, is, like, on Monday, they hit off the mats. I mean, this is, like, yeah. it's, like, <laughs> as far what? away. Yeah, they hit off mats. <laughs> wow. Yeah, wow. it's a, they don't even they have 36 holes. They don't close the range to the public. So <laughs> like at that Monday qualifier. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's it's amazing. The best. It's, it's money the best. on money, isn't it? Entry yeah. fee and range balls. Yeah. This is lovely. Yeah, uh, I remember looking at the range and uh Brandon Wu and Robert Garrigus are both waiting for spots. And Bob <laughs> and Joe, these two <laughs> 18 handicappers are just like sharing a spot, ripping drivers, you know, left and right. And I was just like, holy cow. You know, I mean, Brandon Wu had just graduated, like obviously probably flew private at Stanford most of his life. And he's like, I'm going to turn pro. This is going to be great. And now he's like standing at McCormick Ranch, which is not a great golf course in general, hitting off a mat, waiting for a guy to, you know, get ready for his $5 Nassau. <laughs> that is yeah. that is just an awesome story. It just sums up Monday cues for sure. That's yeah, uh, yeah that's, absolutely that's amazing. So who has the? Uh, this is another question from somebody on Twitter, uh, Tony, Tony, and and a bunch of numbers after it. So uh, it might not be a legitimate account, but yeah, it's a good right. question. Uh, what player now on tour has the most interesting journey? Um, to get to the PGA tour that, you know, there's obviously gone through the Monday Q route. Yeah. I mean, I, I said it before, but I think Joel Damon is a perfect look into what, like for a lot of guys, pro golf is a process. I mean, his first year on the Canadian tour, he finished 77. I mean that I, I can't tell you how far removed that is from the PGA tour. I mean, 
Yeah. And then he finished 44th and then 22nd. And then he won the money list. Then he went to the Corn Ferry Tour and he wasn't very good there. And then he was a little better the next year, then a little better the next year. And then finally got on tour and then he stunk on tour his first year and got his card back and was better. So like I've said it, I said it earlier, but like no one ever thought, no one ever saw Joel Damon on the Corn Ferry Tour or the Canadian Tour and thought, well, this guy's going to be on tour in a while. It's like, it's a process. He got better, little better, little better every year. Obviously got through cancer and those kind of things too. So it's, it's a great, but He's a perfect example that for some guys getting to the tour just takes a process of figuring out pro golf. Yeah, it was yeah, great when he, uh, when he won last uh, last season. That was awesome to awesome to see that. Yeah, and he's a uh, – I played in a pro-am with him at the Barracuda. And, I mean, just the guy you see on Twitter is exactly who he is. He's super awesome. Yeah. Laid back. Uh, where, he, won, he won Corrales. Puerto Rico? Yeah. Puerto yeah, Rico? Yeah, Corrales. Yeah, that's, that's where he won, I think. Yeah, that was great. Um, do we have any other good questions from Twitter worth uh, – you know, I don't know if you can let the cat out of the bag on this one. You kind of teased it a little bit. Um, it was around the pay for play exemptions and, um, yeah, are you, you're doing I mean, a story on that, right? Is that right? Yeah. I mean, uh, yes, I am. It is a very heavy, serious story and by far the most heavy and serious story I've done. Meaning like there is like, if, if I printed names, it would be, you know, pretty, pretty serious. So I'm taking it very slowly Got it. You'd sure be uh... 100% accurate. I mean, the end of the day is uh, prior to this year, supposedly they've changed. A lot of exemptions are paid for. It's a very dirty business. Very. So just, just talk me through that. You're talking people who get into the event via, is that what you're via saying? an exemption. Yes. Sponsors. Who's exemption. getting paid? Who's getting paid? I mean, the tournament is getting paid, uh, you know, either by a sponsorship or a pro am group or an agency is paying a fee because so they want my their... sponsor wants me in the event. So my sponsor pays the event yeah. to get me an exemption. Is that kind of the line you're going or suggesting? Yeah, there? Is that exactly. what okay. I mean, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. Yeah, what, yeah. what happened often is, you know, a lot of players fell into this pool, you know, before Colin Marikawa became Colin Marikawa, you know, he was competing with Matt Wolf and all those guys for sponsors exemptions. Right. And I'm not saying yeah. any of those guys paid for their exemptions. I'm, there's on the up up and up exemptions. Some are just like straightforward, best player in the world, you know, amateur, and he turned pro yeah. is going to be an exemption. But the lower end of that is very much like, hey, I'll you know, I'll buy a uh, a tent on 17 if you let the player that I sponsor into the event. Uh, oh, okay, that type of thing. And um, to be fair, the problem is, guys, is that these events the companies running these events need that money to make money. And yeah. so it's, it, no one wants to deal with it. The tournament director doesn't want to deal with it. It's a dirty game, you know, and uh, it, it's, you know, there's lunches for $20,000 and that guy comes in and there's pro-am groups and it's just, it's a dirty business and no one wants, the problem is, is that these events can't make money without this extra money coming in yeah absolutely and, so, and that's the thing i mean yeah. people always talk about events and they talk about like venues why do they use this course why don't yeah. they go and play and i always think 
that's not how events work, guys. I mean, there was an event that happened in Germany on the European tour that Tiger came and played. They paid for Tiger to come and play. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. him playing in Germany. And I went there to that course and films. Uh, I think they had the event a few times, two or three times. And they said they'd never have the event again. They'll just never have it again. The players wrecked the course. The members mm-hmm. couldn't use the course for over two months. With yep. It was closed for four weeks prior to the event. And then there was months before that where they're setting up machineries on and off. So four holes are closed. They said what it cost us in the long run yep. against our general membership just wasn't worth it. And this was a European tour event that had Tiger Woods. There weren't many European yeah. tour events that weren't majors that would have Tiger Woods just rock up. And people say, I always see people on Twitter like, this course, I can't believe they're using this course. Why don't they go and play at this classic old track? Yeah. And you get the old yeah. kind of course junkies saying, you know, the old architecture bunch saying this, that, and the other. And I just think it's just not how it works. It's right. money, full stop, yeah. nothing money for else. Sure. If, if, if I had enough money, I could almost put an event on in my garden. Because yep. if I pay the top players the money they need to play or the purse is there, well, who wouldn't play in it? It's just yeah. like, it, 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 at the end of the day, it's not maybe quite as beautiful as the audience thinks or that they want it to be. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, that sounds like a great, uh, I'm looking forward to, to reading that. I know it's, it's not ready yet and you still have to polish that. But um, if you don't read Ryan's stuff on firepitcollective.com, I highly suggest you you go there and, and you scroll through the things he's he's put out. He's put out some great stories, and for you to say that this is you know the most powerful one uh, that you know that, that you've written, I I can't wait to to yeah, read through that way, based yeah. on what you've put out in the past. So go check him out on Fire Pit Collective. He's an amazing storyteller. Yeah, thanks guys. Yeah, that's that's a heavy one, and every every time I get down a rabbit hole, I go down farther down a rabbit hole. One day it'll be a book, I think, if I keep keep going down the exemption. You know, it would be, it'd be amazing if like, you know, the, the Bob and Joe, the guys that Brandon Wu had to wait for on the range. It'd be amazing if those guys ponied up the cash to get a sponsor. I want to see an 18 handicap get a sponsor. (laughs) Like I would, I would be fine with that. Like if they want to pony up some serious cash to play, that would, I would watch that every time. I mean, I, I always say that is like, I want to find the guy I mean, there's plenty of guys out there. It's like, if I had six weeks to practice, you know, I could compete at a Monday qualifier. I no. want to go. I want to have a time to go. Yes, I'm going to pay you to practice for six weeks. Take a leave from your job. I'm going to yeah, pay yeah. you. And I, I wish I could do that with four guys that are like, if I had six weeks to practice, and I just paid them, and then we put them in a Monday qualifier or a corn ferry event or a good mini tour event and just watch them get absolutely flat you know just hammered by everybody and uh yes that's my goal too yeah absolutely so where does it go from here ryan what's the future obviously you've got your articles you're writing what what, what where do you see this going for yourself without giving too much away i mean it's come so far already it's maybe a little bit um you know it'll go where it goes because it's kind of kind of started out it started and went where it went or have you got bigger plans what, what's what where do you see the future going yeah i mean i think we have to tell this these stories in in deeper ways you know i think uh it can get monotonous saying like oh this guy you know doesn't have any money or this guy's a veteran still chasing it i think those those eventually will be like yeah okay we heard that you know last year and and so yeah. um yeah, we have some exciting stuff coming up. We're going to like have a YouTube web-based show about um, a good a good friend and give 
give them behind the scenes look of like, hey, he has a kid. I mean, it's Mark Baldwin, but like, you know, what's like an actual life look like? You know, what's it like putting your kid to bed over FaceTime, you know, 200 days a year? Like, what's the arguments you have with your wife? What's, where's the money? How do you pay rent? Uh, you know, you missed four cuts in a row. What does that feel like? Outside of 280 characters on, on Twitter, like, what does it actually feel like? Um, yeah. And so that'd be some great just, stories. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this will just give another level of insight into to casual golf fans of like, you know, I mean, Mark lives in a, in a two bedroom, uh, tiny condo in Mesa, Arizona. He's not, <laughs> he drives a 2017 Honda CRV. He, he ain't living the good life. Uh, yeah. So I think it's just taking up the stories, you know, deeper, more involved uh, on site and, and fire pit's been great to me. Matt and Alan, Matt Janelle and Alan Shipnick have been amazing. They have, I just tell them my ideas and they say yes. So um, cool. It's well, been, we'll be it's excited to see where it, yeah, we'll be excited to see where it goes, won't we, Lou? Because it's it's we it's are. been a fantastic journey, um, and it's just I, I just like like Lou said and you said as well, just the fact that you've you've brought something that was basically under the carpet. You've kind of like brought it out and got everyone. Why are we not looking at this? This is actually really interesting. Um, you, you know, like it was always there. It's just it was brushed away as this little thing. Where actually, I think some of the human stories there are maybe as interesting as the story of why you know tiger woods wins as many majors and what have you they have equal weight to them because at the end of the day they're just human stories that we should all be experiencing so it's good stuff there we go ryan french that was fun lou that was that, yeah, was, that was great episode so, one season two we it, kicked it off what we did and so make sure you follow ryan on twitter you probably already are right Get everybody follows ryan, again, on twitter. ryan it's a oh, case of the golf already. one <laughs> I, I, it's, <laughs> a, it's the worst handle ever a case of the golf <laughs> one that's it. But he's I, got a million I never followers. even say my handle anymore, Lou. I just say search Monday Q info because I'm yeah. embarrassed. Search Monday Q info. So now I absolutely there you go. Well, thank you for your time, Ryan. And I can't wait to see where this is all going. Uh, as always, Lou, thank you. And thanks for everybody listening. Anyone who if you enjoyed the podcast, as always, leave those um reviews down below and give us some stars. Let us know what you think and maybe any suggestions of what you would like to see or who you would like to see on the next episode thanks for listening as always everybody and we'll speak to you soon